What's up, everyone? Super excited for today, man. This is just an awesome opportunity for you guys to hear from an amazing guest of ours. This is going to be a fantastic interview. Uh, I'm going to be talking to a friend of mine who had the opportunity to play professionally overseas in Germany for two years, but his journey to get there was extremely unique. Uh, we're going to be talking about what it was like for him to be a, you know, a late developing athlete, you know, someone who athletically didn't truly develop until later in their, you know, high school senior year, basically. And then, you know, going the junior college route, uh, doing two different junior colleges, then going to the NAIA route and then going to the professional route, uh, leveraging his connections that he has to be able to, to have an experience overseas, the lessons that he learned along the way. Um, and the most important piece of this interview, which is <clears throat> why it's so inspiring to me, sorry, is that how his faith has played a role in his life, his entire life. Uh, it's lessons from his father um, and his siblings, uh, the examples that they set forth for him as well, but just how faith has played a role. And you'll hear that throughout the interview, how his faith has played a role throughout his entire journey and how he's leveraged basketball to come closer to God and how he's leveraged basketball to, you know, have some life lessons that he can take out and implement into his regular day-to-day -day life. Now, you know, after his basketball career ended, he was able to leverage all those skill sets. And that's like the perfect example of why I do this show, because I want to show you guys what sports can truly teach you if you allow them to do so. Super excited for this interview. It's been a long time coming. You'll hear why, because I've had some mutual connections with this individual throughout the last couple of years. And he... Um, yeah, he and I, it, it just had to get him on the show, and I'm, it, it couldn't come at a better time, man. It's just an amazing opportunity to hear from a, a very inspiring guest. So I encourage you guys to, to tap in, take notes, and remember, this is the Game Time Guru. So, what time is it? Game Time Boost! This is the Game Time Guru podcast, where I interview sports figures from all over the world to help deliver a panoramic view on sports. So whether you're a former athlete, one of the crazies, or simply a casual sports fan, this is the perfect show for you as we peel back the curtains and learn from our guests every single week. I'm your host, Shane Larson, and I'm helping you see sports through a different lens. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome out to another episode of the Game Time Guru Podcast. My name is Shane Larson, host of the show. As you guys know, six and a half years, almost seven years running now. Uh, started this in January of 2017 and um, just... So grateful to be here every single week, talking to a new guest, learning their story, learning more about their sports journey, and then life lessons that they've learned from it. And today's going to be an awesome one. Uh, you guys might have heard the introduction. We're talking uh, to a special guest of mine that I, I have a, a story um, with this guy. I keep running into him, random mutual connections, and it's just about time that we finally get him on the show because I, I admire what he does and what he has accomplished, like not only on the sports side of things, but from a faith perspective too. He's a, he's a solid guy. So massive shout out to him. And I just want to thank everybody for tuning in. If this is your first time listening, maybe, you know, our guest on the show. Um, awesome. Welcome aboard. We're happy to have you here. Uh, just make sure to hit that subscribe button. That's all I ask. Hit the subscribe button and maybe leave us a review um, on Apple podcasts. If you guys have an Apple device, please leave us a review. It helps the show get out to more people. That's how we've reached 180 countries, all 50 States. Uh, the show has been downloaded in all those locations because of people like yourselves downloading the show, subscribing, leaving a review on the show. It helps it get out to more people. So like I said, man, we're talking to a Hooper. He's got some professional experience, obviously some collegiate experience. Um, and I mean, the guy is a faithful dude and it's awesome to talk to him. His name is Ike Stafford. We're going to talk to him and uh, learn his story. So Ike, thanks for joining the show, man. 
thanks for having me. I'm excited. Absolutely, man. So let's let's do this. So I I didn't know you or know of you until about like eight years ago or so. And I, I still to this day, you don't even remember that time. I know it, but maybe it's just because it stands out to me. Um, I've told people this before. I was playing in a three-on-three basketball league. I believe you were just filling in for a friend. I don't even know which team it was. I don't know. It could have been Quinn Brown's team or Jake Bowers. I don't know who it was. Randomly, you were there. Friend of mine named Porter Marshall tells me, hey, you got to guard Ike. We got to be careful. He's like talking about this guy named Ike. I didn't know who Ike was. I know a lot of hoopers in the Valley just from being around. I didn't know who Ike was. I was like, who's this dude? And then I found out why Porter was like, hey, I'll guard him. Like Porter was very adamant about like guarding you. And then it, it, it took about two possessions to figure out, oh, okay, this is Ike. All <laughs> right. So he's any shot couldn't stop you. You were just hitting shots and you didn't even like talk because you weren't even on that team. You were just filling in and then you like, you didn't even say anything after you beat, like, you were just like nice. You're a silent killer. Um, and then I've just gotten to see you a couple of times since then, but I want to ask you, Ike, let's rewind the clock a little bit. Talk to us about your basketball upbringing and, and, and when it started. So did you come from a house of hoopers or were you the first to p- dribble a basketball? And like, when did you start like actually becoming involved with the sport of basketball? Yeah, good question. And uh, thanks for the story. That's kind of fun. Can I just comment on that? I actually do remember. I actually do remember. Oh, do you? Yes. But as I reflect on that story, um, I'm reminded of another story. Once I was playing in a in a basketball game, and there was this. There was kind. Of, it was during a basketball tournament, and it was it, it was just kind of a city league style, and uh, there was people coming and going, and there was basketball games going in the other gym, and. We were on the center court and there was this, this one guy, I won't say his, his name, but um, he didn't know me then. And, and he, he was kind of a louder personality. He's just watching from the sidelines. Anyways, um, during the game, I get, I get a steal, I get a breakaway and I go up and, uh, and I dunk it and, you know, nothing too impressive, but the guy, he'd been making noise and everything. And he just, he just hollers. He says, that was the most surprising thing I've ever seen. And <laughs> And I just, I just think about that. And, and I, you know, I'm starting to recognize a little bit that when you look at Ike Stafford, nobody looks at Ike Stafford and be like, Whoa, that dude can hoop. And, uh, and, and I'm not the, the greatest basketball player, but I, I recognize that my appearance doesn't always reflect uh, the amount of experience and the time that I've spent in the gym. And, and, and the Lord's really blessed me with some athletic talent as well. Uh, I'm older now, obviously, but, but yeah, I surprise people. That's my message. I, I love it though, dude. You do surprise people. And I will tell you, like, I joke around Ike. I always tell friends of mine, I'm they're always like, Oh, where can we find good hoops? I'm like, dude, you want to find good hoops? I say, go to an LDS chapel <laughs> on a Wednesday night at like 9 30 after the kids have gone to bed. You're gonna find a bunch of dudes that have played in college that don't look the part because maybe they're dads now and they got lives and they're actually successful individuals who don't care about just playing basketball all day long, but they go in there and they get some exercise. Go over there, you'll be surprised. You'll probably be humbled too, because you're not gonna want to play ball anymore. That's like <laughs> And it's cool because like people like yourself, you might not quote unquote look the part, but you are a hooper, dude. And that's the coolest thing about it. And that's why I like, I want to get you on here and share that. Cause it, it's not that you don't work. You just, you're, you're awesome. Like you do it. You just, that's why you're like so surprising. And it's not a, it's not, um, it's not meant to be a dig at you at all. I think it's so cool. Like, that's why I think, I, that's why I love having you on here is cause you're so awesome, man. Oh, and so thank let's you. rewind it. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah, no, no problem. Thanks for the, thanks for the compliments. Very, very kind. Um, No, I feel very blessed. The Lord's been very good to me. So I came from a home of um, seven children. My mom and my dad raised us. And here's kind of an interesting fact that I think would be interesting for your listeners is, so I'm the fifth child of seven, but out of all of us seven children, 
every one of us played collegiate basketball. And I, to me, that's an impressive thing. And, and my father and my mother's very, very supportive, but my, my father's really who spearheaded the, the athletics in our home. But he always took kind of the long view and his intent in helping us succeed in athletics. And, and he never said you have to play basketball. He just said, you choose whatever you're going to choose and you'd be good at it. And, and I think our oldest, my oldest two siblings both chose basketball and they're both successful. And, and the rest of us spent, just spent a lot of time in the gym watching them. And so it just became natural to us. But my dad, his approach was always that basketball is a vehicle to teach you how God works. And not just how God works, but how to be successful in life, right? And so if you can learn how, if you can learn how to be successful in, in basketball or any sport, I'm just going to use basketball because that's my, that's my context. But if you can learn how to be successful in basketball, and if you can learn to connect with God and draw on his power and, and, and connect and develop a relationship with him through basketball, then it is a very, very useful tool. That's how my dad saw it. And it just so happens that all of his, um, you know, seven children were able to remain healthy and all had a high level of athleticism and were able to play at least a junior college level in, in basketball. Does that answer your that, question? Yes, but that also, like, this is what's cool about the show is for those who are listening, I do a little digging on my my guests before I, like, actually interview them. But there's times where, like, I'll interview and I learn something. So I we kind of unbox some more stuff here. Of the seven, Ike, um, what's the age gap between number one and number seven? 17 years. And you're fifth. So how, what's the age gap between you and the, and the oldest, I guess? Yeah. So I had, I had it really sweet in that I'm right in the middle with years wise. I am, I'm nine years or eight and a half years younger than my oldest brother. And I am eight and a half years older than my youngest brother. So I have, I have a relationship with, with the oldest, you know, my oldest brother and my youngest brother now have a strong relationship, but really growing up, I mean, they're, you know, 17 years apart. And so they didn't really know each other, but I got the, I got the sweet deal when that I got to know everybody in the family. That's, that's pretty cool, man. I'm sure there's, there's some benefits and disadvantages. I, I, I come from uh well, there's all benefits. It's all blessings. Right. But there's probably some hard times every once in a while, but I come from a For small sure. family, just me and my sister. So like we didn't come from a, a large, large family and, and whatnot. So I always kind of like look at those things. Like, I don't know how your parents did it, dude. That's just so many kids, man. It's, I have three of my own and I just don't, I just don't understand how people do it, but, um, well, I can do it. Shout, out. I just want... <laughs> Shout out to parents everywhere. Right. Being a parent's challenging. It is. It's a blessing. It's a, it's definitely a blessing, but it's definitely challenging. So Ike, as you were going through your basketball journey, did you mm -hmm. play any other sports through middle school and high school in those times? Or was it just basketball was your main focus? Yeah, that's primarily basketball. So I, something else that's interesting about my situation is, and this isn't true for my siblings, but for me, it was, um, I was a very late physical bloomer, like a late bloomer. It wasn't until I was a senior in high school that I went through puberty. And so that's a long way of saying I couldn't compete in anything I did now in basketball, because, because I had four older siblings who went through and kind of made a name for themselves in high school. They, Everybody just kind of assumed, you know, Ike's going to get there. He's going to grow up. But really, I hung on the coattails of my my older siblings and uh, and just kind of they just kind of kept me around on the team, you know. And I grew up in Auburn, Washington, a suburb of Seattle, and there's a lot of basketball there. But, you know, as a freshman, I was just a little boy and I played on the freshman team. And and as a sophomore, they brought me up to JV, but I didn't really belong there. And so I played sophomore JV as a as a sophomore. 
as a junior, they put me on varsity JV mix, but really I just belonged on JV. I was just, I was just a little boy. And that summer I started physically developing a little bit. And so that was, that actually was a tremendous blessing for me. Here's something that's also important to the story. You know, my dad, again, he takes the long view and I'm just so grateful for who my father is. Now, I also should say this, just like all of us, you know, our family has challenges and my childhood was far from perfect. But when I was about 12 years old, you know, my father um, really having taking the long view looked at me and he recognized for however he did this through whatever gift from heaven he had, he recognized that I wasn't going to develop early like like some of my siblings did and like most people do. And so at 12 years old, we came home from a basketball game and and uh, I remember we, we parked in the driveway and he said, before you get out of the car, he said something like this. He said, before you get out of the car, I just, I just want you to know that the next several years of basketball are going to be really hard for you. They're going to be challenging for you. But if you continue with it, the rewards will be great. And so he didn't say, hey, you need to keep going because you're going to be small. But he was able to see and foresee that the next several years, you know, as 12 years old, as people are starting to develop, I was still going to be behind. And, and he had the foresight and the intelligence and the spiritual gift to say, you stick with it, you persevere. You don't have to, but you stick with it, you persevere, then the reward is going to pay off for you. Wow, dude. Shout out to your dad for being able to see that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Like, and being susceptible to the spirit of like what he's like, he can see that he knows his kids. He knows the process. He understands them. And that's really cool actually to me. And anyway, I think that's awesome. Um, yeah. And you mentioned, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. I just, just about my father, you know, my, my father taught me a lot of lessons about God and basketball and my father's a truck driver. And, and so he, he, I mean, he'd be first to tell you this. He spent his career praying, you know, cause he's in the truck for the majority of his daytime and a lot of, a lot of vacant hours. And so he's just prayed for his kids. And, you know, he taught us to, he taught us to pray. And he, he say, you do everything you can. You work as if everything depends on you and you pray as if everything depends on the Lord. And, and that's how, that's how I was raised. So, you know, to separate basketball and faith in God, like I can't, like they are one in the same. That is, that's my context for, for sports. This, that is so cool. Like, oh man, this is, this is why I wanted you on the show. And I didn't even know these things. This is so cool. I'm geeking out. By the way, if you see my head go down, I take notes on my phone while I'm talking to you. Like if I have something. So I encourage everyone else who's listening to do the same thing. I always encourage people to take notes. If you hear a golden nugget, um, jot some down. we got golden nuggets here. That's why we have these guests on the show. So I, you, you were late to puberty in the context, like relatively speaking, if you're comparing it to most kids, you know, so senior year, you're starting to hit it. And, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, we call them late bloomers. I too was a late bloomer in the sense of I was 17 when I graduated high school, um, 16 for a week, my freshman year of high school, or sorry, my first week of senior year of high school, I was 16, 17 for my freshman year of college for a week and a half. Um, so and you, I was just, yeah, you're behind in that regard because of your birthday. Yeah. So my birthday is the very end of August. And it was just weird. Cause yeah, I just remember I was 17 and my freshman year at Boise state university, we started on like August 20th or August 18th or whatever. So it actually was like a week and a half of school that went by before I turned 18. So I was like, yeah, I'm a 17 year old freshman in college. <laughs> I was always young, but then I, I realized like the difference of my body when I was 18, than when I was 17, I'm like, ah, oh, man, I could have done a lot in high school basketball with this body is different. I was just a lot, lot more mature that at that time. So I guess with that question, though, as we unbox that, 
for, there's a lot of listeners who are probably like late bloomers too. They're not, you know, they're, they're progressing athletically little by little, but they might see their peers like starting to peak a little bit earlier. And so mm -hmm. they get caught up in the rat race of like recruiting and man, I'm not going to yep. make it to the next level and blah, 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 blah. And they start going down this rabbit hole of like negativity and they start feeling down themselves. I guess for you and your journey, when did you realize that I can play at the next level? And then to go along with that, how did you even begin the process for somebody who might not have been like the top of the cream of the crop for like the last three years? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That, I think that's a terrific question. If, if I could just take a little detour on that and, and maybe just I, for your listeners and, and um, I'm not sure how much background they have on me, but I, I got to play junior college basketball. I finished at an NAIA school, College of Idaho. I finished my college career there. And then I played two years professionally in Germany. And yeah, it was it, it was a route for me. Um, and, and so I'll explain that. But before I do that, if, if I could just talk about a principle that I learned, I probably learned it earlier. My dad probably taught it to me earlier in life, but it wasn't until I was an adult that I figured it out. And it's this principle that when you pray, right, you can pray and ask for success. Or you can pray, as some prophets have taught us, you can pray that your performance will be for the welfare of your soul. In other words, you can pray and say, dear God, please give me success in this or help me to succeed or help me to score or help us to win. Or you can pray and you can say, whatever happens, that this will be for the best thing for me ultimately. Right. And you, again, you got to take the long view because in athletics, it's, it, it's a lot of times we're thinking I got to make the next shot or I've got to win this game. You know, at the very longest, you know, we're thinking maybe about a, a season or maybe even a college career, like four years is really as long, as far out as we look in athletics. But really God's looking at us for the, the long, long, long term, right? He's, he's more interested in, you know, our, our basketball career is going to end. Regardless of what happens, no matter how good we are, I mean, LeBron James, his basketball career is going to end someday, right? For a lot of us, you know, our career might end in seventh grade, or it might end as, as a high school senior, or it might, whenever it may end. And and sadly, some end through through injury. But if we can pray and we can we can recognize that basketball and athletics, if we can ask, and and for those of, those who are listening who don't have a faith base, I hopefully there's some application for you here as well. But like just looking at the sport and recognizing that no matter what happens, this can be for the betterment of me as a person outside of the, the context of basketball in life, who I am. And for those who have a spiritual basis for my spirit, for, for ultimately my disposition as, as a child of God. So as I got old, that was a long way of saying, as I got older, I recognized that when I pray, I don't pray for success. I pray that whatever happens, it grows me as an individual and produces in me what God wants me to become. So back to me being a late developer, um, one of the challenges for those who are late developers, you might recognize this and you might not recognize this, but when you are a late developer, physically you're behind. And so you kind of take a back seat. So through my, you know, my high school years, I wasn't the one to take the shot. I was never the man because I was always so far behind physically. I was just doing whatever I could to stay in front of my guy and block him out and make sure he couldn't get a rebound. Right. And so the high level, you know, the team resting on my shoulders, that kind of thing didn't happen. I didn't take the big shots. The ball wasn't going to me. And so I had, it took me a long time to overcome that as I became, as I left, left high school. Now I had the benefit of a two year mission for my church. 
and and that helped cause me to to mature and to recognize some things. And then as I developed in college, then it really wasn't until the the sophomore my sophomore year. And Shane, I'll be honest, if like I have to see the hand of the Lord in this because it doesn't happen any other way. It was the it was the last month of my season as a sophomore in college that I finally figured out I can play, I can ball. Now with the two year mission, I grew and I developed. I grew about an, an inch or so while I was on my mission after high school. And uh, when I got off my mission, I could just dunk the ball easy. I, I never could do that before my mission. And so physically I'd matured. And so at a junior college, college level, being six foot three and being able to dunk the ball easy, even though I wasn't a player with confidence, I was able to make a junior college team. Is that making sense? Yeah. Yeah. So what junior college did you go to? I <laughs> Do you want the full story? Sure. Let's hear it all, man. Okay. I'll, I'll try to, I'll try to keep this brief. So I went to snow college which is in Ephraim, Utah, central Utah, which is actually where I met my wife. So it was a tremendous blessing to go there. But the summary of that story was at the end of my freshman year. So I, I rode the bench as a freshman at Snow College. At the end of my freshman year, my, uh, my coach brought me and a couple other guys in and basically said, hey, uh, next year you're going to be fighting for scholarship with several other guys. Like, and, and he was very, very good about it. He just wanted to be up front and just say, I'm not guaranteeing a scholarship for you. And, and I don't know the rules, but in JUCO, apparently you can do that. So I had walked on, got the job as, got the scholarship as a freshman. Then he says, you got to fight for it again next year. And I thought, oh man, I'm not going to, I'm not going to wait around for this. I'm not doing this. And so my younger brother who was coming out of high school at that time was a tremendous basketball player. And um, so he, he he and I went and played together. So we got we got a job, not a job, we got a scholarship at Salt Lake Community College together. For them, they were like, this is awesome. We got Ike, who's got some experience at this level, and then his brother, who's a much better basketball player, is coming in as a freshman. Let's take them both. And uh, it worked out really well for him um, and for me. But but I was I was that role that sophomore year of junior college basketball. You know, I was three points a game. I was the defensive player. I could jump real well. I could rebound real well at my position and I could hit, hit an open shot. Right. And then the last month of that season, I figured out what I could do that nobody else could do. And that was, I could at a full on sprint, I could come off a screen and catch a ball and shoot and make it right. And at six foot three with, with ability to jump and I'm not terribly fast, but with that, that level of athleticism, I could do that and that could set me apart. Is this making sense? Mm -hmm. Okay. 100% dude. I'm smiling because I like, this is you. So like, I get it. Like, yeah. this is great. <laughs> now again, the backdrop of me being a late bloomer, right. I had never been in that position where I was the man. And suddenly I'm thrown into this position where, ah, I am the man or I can be, I can be a major contributor. I don't just have to be the guy that goes in and plays defense and gets a rebound. I can be somebody who can contribute in this way. And so the last month of, of my sophomore year, like I, I just really started to heat up. And, uh, you know, I think the final game of my, of my sophomore year as, at JUCO, I think I had um, 10 points and 11 rebounds or something at, at the guard spot, right, at a, two, at a two spot. So I could shoot the ball really, really well, and I could rebound really, really well at, at a high level. But nobody knew who I was because I had only could do that for a month. So I started, so there were a couple of division two programs that, that wanted me. And I went and when I, when I went and played with them, they were like, what? They're like, who is this guy? 
like this guy's amazing because they, because I was, you know, I came out with like four or five points a game. They're like, this guy can score. What this guy can rebound. Who is this guy? So make a long story short. Um, I took a trip to the college of Idaho NAIA school. And I want to be careful about how I say this, but from a basketball perspective, it was kind of a step down from some of the other options I had, but the, the, the brief story, the brief summary of the story is I was very prayerful about it. And I just felt like the college of Idaho was the right place for me. And it absolutely was. So I played at the college of Idaho, had a great career there at the college of Idaho, um, shot the ball really, really well. And the other thing that I could do, and, and my coach, when I was in college, let me do this. The other thing that I, that I learned how to do was I would, when I recognized that I had to do something to set myself apart, um, I started sprinting off screens and catching and shooting. And I, that's how I'd practice is I would take the ball full court and I'd dribble the ball full court as fast as I could on a dead sprint. And I would stop at the three point line and shoot like dead sprint, stop and shoot and catch the ball and go do it again, the other direction. And I started doing that. And so, and you probably know this about my game. I don't, you know, playing full court with me. That's just one thing that I can do. I can be dead on sprint dribbling full court down the, the basketball court as fast as I can. I think most players will go lay it up. Nope. I stop on a dime and, and, and shoot the three. And, and I had, a, and I had a coach in college who would let me do that. So um, shot a lot of three pointers. Um, shot a really high clip from from three there as my junior and senior year, and then got a job in Germany. Does this make sense? Oh, this is phenomenal. I'm like geeking out, man, as you're talking. First and foremost, if anybody has ever not played with Ike, that's I I've only played against you one time in my life, and that is like the memory I always had ingrained is like. We couldn't stop you. We were trying to hedge off screens, switch screens, do whatever we could to stop you. You were pulling up and shooting anything off a screen. If you're going full speed, pop and shoot. So like, it's funny. That's why I was smiling while you're talking because dude, that is, that's a testament to the work you were putting in. Um, and it's cool to hear the journey because everyone's story is a little different. Um, and I want kids to understand that if you're patient and you take the right route, and I love that you had a prayerful approach to it. Again, if you're not, if you're listening to this and you're, you don't have a faith-based background. That's okay. You can still take things away from this, but if you do have a faith-based background, taking a prayerful approach, like I, obviously that seems to be something you were, it was ingrained since you were younger. Like your, your father taught you all that, you know, to take a prayerful approach. That's kind of led you through this path. Um, one thing I wanted to ask here as I wrote it down was, you know, when I served a mission, Ike, uh -huh. I served a mission for, for the same church, church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I served a two-year mission in Brazil. And I honestly, have a massive respect for people who go on a mission and come back and play sports at the next level. Because for me personally, I actually lost, like I came back 170 pounds. I lost 30 pounds on my mission. It was not good weight. Um, I was in Brazil and I was walking a lot and it was, and I didn't eat a lot. So like for two years, I like just didn't eat. And so when I came back, it literally like just even hitting the gym, I was depressed because of how like not strong I was. I was just super, super weak. I was comparing myself to my old self prior to the mission. And I was like, there's no way it took me like six to eight months to even get some strength back. Um, and then we started competing more in basketball and stuff together, but like friends of mine and whatnot. But I'm just curious was like, you seem to have a different experience of like came, came back a little bit more mature in the body and you were ready to rock and roll. But I was wondering if there was any kind of physical transition that needed to happen to be able to even compete at the junior college level when you got home from your mission. Oh, well, that's a great question. And I'm remembering some things now, which I'm a little bit embarrassed of, but, uh, so one, so amongst all the things that I prayed for daily as a missionary, one of the things I prayed for, and I, and I'm not making this up every single day I requested from 
my heavenly father that I would be able to jump high. That, that's something I requested. And, and amidst all the other things, that was just one of the things that I threw in there. And so, you know, being a missionary, I, I think things are a little bit different now and their schedules are a little bit different, but we didn't, we didn't exercise. I mean, we didn't, I don't know what it was like for you. Yeah, we, we, well, we, we had to make our own exercise. I was doing push-ups, and that was it. <laughs> right. And that's the other thing. I did 75 push-ups a, a day. Every morning I did three sets of 25 push-ups every day but Sunday. While I was on my mission for two years. But that was the only that was really the only thing that we had. Well, and Holland, I don't know if, if you know this about well, Holland is not a country of basketball players, right? <clears throat> so make a long story short, I've been on a mission about a year and a half. So a two-year mission, right? I've been on a year and a half, maybe maybe even longer. I've been on a mission. I haven't touched the basketball. And for some reason, there is this in Holland, in, in this little place called Lelystad, this is the gathering place of all the professional basketball players in Holland. And I just stumbled up. I just stumbled upon these guys one day. We're just walking around, you know, doing our missionary work. And these guys are playing and there's this dude who's, there's a dude who's six foot seven. Another guy's six foot 10. They're just like, and this is outdoor court. And, uh, and I start talking to some guys, I was like, what's going on? And they're like, oh, well, this guy plays for, and there's some professional teams in, in Holland. This guy plays for this, this team, this guy plays for this team. Like, what are they doing here? And they're like, this is just the outdoor court where they, where they, they come. So I stumble upon these guys. And, uh, so I start playing a little bit. Um, you know, they, they didn't let me on the court, but afterwards, you know, kind of the, the leftovers started getting on the court a little bit. And then this totally shocked me, Shane. So I found myself a basketball and what the, the first time I went there and played, you know, I was in, I was wearing suit and tie, right. And I was wearing, I wasn't wearing basketball gear. So I got some running shoes on and, um, uh, you know, a couple of days later, I, I went and found another court that was more close to where we lived. And, and I got, got a basketball and I went up and I just, I jumped up. Like the first time I got on the court, I just went up there and, you know, shot a couple of layups and I jumped up and I just, I just flushed it real easy. And I was like, Oh, that's weird. And so then did a couple more and I was like, Oh, okay, cool. And I was like, Oh, well this hoop must be about nine foot six. That sounds about right. Nine foot six. But that was my introduction to the, the physical development that the Lord had given me while I was on my, my mission. I really sincerely thought the hoop was nine foot six. Now, after I played a little bit, I realized, oh, I can do this at 10 foot. That hoop was really 10 foot. But that was not my context. I've been a year and a half without playing hoop, and I could barely dunk a basketball before a mission. You know, if I was having a good day, maybe I could do a little bit of niceness. But now I could one step just jump up and flush real, real easy. And so... The, that's the answer to the question of the mission actually physically was a blessing for me as I was developing. That's so cool, man. Oh, that's so awesome. Um, yeah. Nowadays I hear stories of like missionaries that are, you know, they get, and that's okay. Like if they have like a division one offer that they're going to be able to play when they get home, sometimes their mission presence will give them approval and stuff to go to a certain gym and whatnot. And I, I don't judge any of that. I just, I personally didn't have that. In fact, our workouts where we walked literally almost 20 miles a day and I wore my shoes out with the holes because I couldn't ride a bike or drive a car in Brazil. So we had to walk that's, and it was a hundred degrees outside and humid. So that's, that was my workout. That's why I came home 170 pounds stick who couldn't move. And I was weak. It's all good though. We had a lot of blessings from that experience. Um, you know, as you go from junior college to NAIA at the college mm -hmm. of Idaho, I want to remind the listeners too. I had Colby Blaine, who's the current head coach of uh, college of Idaho national champion. Um, I had Colby on my show about two years ago, sharing his story about college of Idaho. Obviously I played prior to that cause Colby's my age. Um, but 
the transition from junior college to even NAIA, I know you had mentioned technically it was like a step down for some of the other schools that you could potentially played for, but Mm -hmm. what was the biggest difference? Would you say from your junior college level at slick to that of uh, college of Idaho, was there a difference in physicality? Was there a difference in speed of the game? Or do you feel it was just another, another, it was just about the same thing. It's just everybody playing hoops. Yeah. You know, it might be different now, but you know, 2005, when, when I made that transition going from the junior college that I went, from at Salt Lake Community College and that league that was there. And I recognize that not all junior college leagues are equal. But for me, the difference was athleticism. The it was it was a step down then. And it might be different today, but going from that junior college le- league where I was, but I had teammates, you know, the team that I was on, um, Raquelin Sims went to Kentucky and uh Tika Wesley went to Utah Valley. I think we had four or five division one basketball players who were on that junior college team. Right. Did that answer your question? Uh-huh. And again, it might Absolutely. be different today, but that was 2005. So the athleticism was, a di- so that's, that's what I want to share with people. Like every, yeah. When we were in Arizona for a club basketball tournament in April this year, at the same exact location, they were doing a junior college showcase. And if anyone who's listening to this has ever watched last chance, you, which is a Netflix show about junior college athletics. And they were covering uh, Los Angeles, East LA community college on that show for a whole season. And um, there's a difference. Every junior college like league is different. When we Mm -hmm. were at the junior college showcase in April, like you got to see that that's division one talent. You go to any NAIA school or even division twos that are around, like those junior college athletes are going to run all over them. There's a variety of reasons they might be playing at a junior college there. A lot of them are bounce backs and some of them are just grades and, and whatnot, but there was the physicality. I mean, you got six, seven wings just flying down the court at 185 pounds. Like it's just wild. So like there's, there's levels to it. So that's what I was wondering how it was at slick compared to there. And it sounds like you had a lot of solid athletes there. Um, I also had a question here that just randomly popped up on Salt Lake community college. Did you have any other return missionaries that were playing with you at that time? Do you think that that played a role in any of anybody's like recruiting and their physical abilities as well, just because they had two extra years on them? Oh, that's, that's a good question. Uh, what we did have, we had Tika Wesley, who was return missionary. Is that true? I'm trying to think of who was on that team. I, you know what? I'd have to, I'd have to scan yeah. to be able to answer that question ac- accurately. No, that's all good. That's all good. Don't, don't, don't stress that. I was just wondering if you knew off the top of your head. Um, now here's the other thing you talked about playing in Germany, right? Um, uh-huh. I've had a couple of of hoopers on my show that have played professionally overseas in different locations. I even had Sean McCaw, who's had a qu- quite a career in Germany, and he still lives there to this day. And you know, we, I've talked to a couple people about their experiences overseas. First, I want to know when did you know? Because you talked about like at the end of your sophomore year, you knew that you could go like that's when you started to heat up, and then you could go to a, another school like a four year. Mm-hmm. Well, when in your journey at College of Idaho did you realize maybe I can get paid? you know, to go play this game, whether it be overseas or whatever. Yeah. It's, so this one's not really fair to, to anybody else, but my oldest brother, he played for nine seasons in Germany, was an all-star in the first division in, in Germany a handful of times and won a couple of German championships. And then when I was there, he was a coach. And so the, the short answer to that is, um, I maybe could have got a professional job somewhere in Europe, but we didn't even try. We just, we just said, Hey, Ike, you're going to use, and, and my brother and I get along really, really well. 
And so, and, and in fact, he was a tremendous mentor for me all through, you know, the gaps that my father couldn't fill, my older brother did. Um, you know, my father didn't play college basketball, but my oldest brother had been there, had, had been successful at those, at that level. And so he mentored me through college. And then professionally, we just said, hey, we're just going to use, use my agent and, and uh, we're going to look here locally and we're going to try to keep you close to where I am. And, and so it's a long way of saying through the network of my brother, that is how I got my job. Now I had, you know, I averaged 17 points a game at the college of Idaho and I had good game film and, uh, and so on and so forth. So I could play the part, but we didn't really market myself. We just slid into his network. Does that make sense? That's tough. And, and Hey man, like, why is that not fair? If anybody reads books, the power of who that's a huge book about leveraging your social capital that you already have. You know what I mean? Like that's, it's part of the game in today's life, like today's world. Like that's why you build relationships with people and have relationships with people and your brother. I think that's awesome. That's the cool, unique part of the story that, you know, people want to hear like, Oh, okay. But you still went over there and you competed. So for, this is where I want to hear about the professional level of Germany. I, yeah. I've, I've, I'm curious your thoughts on it. You you kind of alluded to it at the Helix Performance um, Mental Performance Camp. So the Helix Mental Performance Camp, you t you spoke and you talked about the physicality and what's allowed and what's not. I mean, some of the rules are different. And mm -hmm. when I talk to guys, man, they they'll tell me like, oh, I thought I was going to go over there and just stomp everybody because I'm from America. And a lot of ex NBA guys will go overseas, and depending on the league they're in, they actually don't compete as well. Some of the rules are a little bit, sometimes it's harder because of some of the rules, the team defense tends to be a little bit better over there in some locations. So I, I just want to know your story of your time over in Germany. What was a hard transition? What was some of your favorite memories, etc.? Yeah. Um, I think <laughs> Germany was a great experience and we feel so my wife and I, and I was married at the time. In fact, our twin daughters were born there during our first year in Germany. Oh. But, um, as far as basketball is concerned and, and again, my context is, you know, I went over there 2007 was my first year there, 2007, 2008, finishing the 2008, 2009 season. And so things might be a little different now, but when I went over, it was a lot more wrestling and uh, I was concerned. So in the league I played in, I played in the second division in Germany, which is still a high level basketball. You know, when you hear first level in, in first division in Germany, there are players in the second division in Germany who could play first division, but they're getting paid better in the second division. So they, they play in the second division, but so there's not a huge, huge um, discrepancy, at least when I was there of, of level of play, but I was playing in the second division. And then you can only have two Americans on your team in Germany. I don't know what the rules are today, but you can only have two Americans on your team and everybody else had to be a European on, on your team. And so as an American, you had to score 18 points a game where you got sent home. There was no, there was no, oh, we're going to, we're going to work through this. You know, it's, you get, you get sent home. If we're going to be paying money, we're in the second division and we have limited budget and we're giving our money to these two Americans, like they need to perform. And so when I first got there, I was really, really concerned that they were going to send me home before the season even started because I couldn't figure it out. I couldn't figure out how to get open. And and it, to be honest with you, it was, it was pretty scary for me. I was like, I'm going to go over to Germany. I'm going to fail. But um, we finally had our first friendly, as they call them, friendly basketball games, where we had some game film. And I was able to see what was happening. So everything prior to that was just with my team. And I, and I wasn't getting the job done. You know, I was the American, but I definitely wasn't outperforming everybody on the team. So we had our first friendly, and we got to play against another team. And we were watching game film, and I looked at the, the coach paused the, the game film 
And he said, Ike, you have to get open. And I'm like, I know this. I haven't been able to get open. I'm a shooter. I need to get distance and I need to be able to catch the ball and shoot it before my defender's on me. I need to get open. I get this. So he, stop, he stops the game film and says, Ike, you need to get open. And I'm looking at the game film. And how do I describe this to your listeners? Looking at the game film and the guy who is defending me, my defender has his back to the ball. So he's face guarding me. And he's got both of his hands lynched onto my biceps. And my coach pauses the, the game film and says, you've got to get open. He didn't tell me how. He just says, you got to get open. And I realized at that moment, I was like, okay, in America, you can't do that. That's not allowed. And so then I had to think, okay, well, what do I got to do so I can succeed here in, in Germany? And then I, I, I figured it out real quick. I started watching. Really what I started doing is watching my teammates. I had one teammate, a Russian guy, Alexei Bondar. And uh, he was just really, really good at it. He just, he, to me, he looked like he was always comfortable on the court. Like sometimes he could just be lazy. He'd have to hold the ball, you know, for a minute while the play's developing. And he's just like pushing his defender away. And so I just started doing things that Alexei did to get open. And so I learned, um, when I say there's a lot more wrestling, maybe, maybe holding, uh, yeah, really wrestling. I mean, underneath the hoop, I'm just trying to think of, if you're a big guy in America going over to Germany in 2007, I would just imagine that it would just be so strange because the, the weird body positioning, like it really might be a good idea to go learn some wrestling moves before you go play basketball in Germany in 2007. So I was able to, that's a long way of saying, I was able to figure it out. And, and of course I see the hand of the Lord in that and the teammates that I had and the coach that I had who helped me, who paused that right at the right time. Like the Lord let me struggle, you know, I'm praying for help and support. And, and he got me to that point where I'm almost in despair and then, he didn't tell me the answer, but he let me discover the answer of how I could be successful there. How did you get open I, when guys are grabbing your biceps like that? <laughs> it's it's really fun today because uh, I love it today when when somebody holds me or, you know, when you drive to the hoop and you've got a defender who puts his hand on your on your hip and is like pushing you so you can't go where you want. I love that because I learned what to do there in Germany. And I don't know how to describe this uh, verbally without without being able to demonstrate it. But when somebody puts their hands on me, it's so awesome because then it, it just allows me to create space so much quicker. As soon as their hands are on me, like I can get them off balance and I can move. So I love it today when, when people, you know, ever since I played in Germany, it's been a tremendous advantage. You know, when I was in college, I remember in college, I can remember a specific game complain and say, this guy's got his hands all over me. He's pushing me every time I try to dribble to the, to the hoop. I didn't know. Yeah. You just, you just get him a little bit off balance and you push, you slap his arm off you. And then he's further off balance and you're right around him. Total advantage to me now, but in college, you know, I just didn't, didn't know how to do that. Dude. It's so cool to see like the progression of your game and how like Germany kind of taught you that. That's, that's super cool. If you look back at your Germany experience, you know, that's one of those cool stories. Do you have like a favorite game or a favorite memory that you would be willing to share? <laughs> I have a couple of funny ones. Um, uh, okay. What, what could I share? What could I share? Um, well, this, I think this is helpful maybe to, to your listeners. So one time we had, so the, the organization that I was in, I was in the second division and then my team was Brighton Gusbach and we played, um, and we were the, the, the farm team, if you would, for Bamberg. So Brosa Baskets, Bamberg, and they, um, so when I arrived my second year there, Rosa Baskets Bamberg, the first division team that we were the farm team for, they had four players. It was the year of the Olympics. 
they had four players on that team who were playing in the Olympics um, with Dirk Nowitzki. This is the time, the, the oh, era. You, yeah. Okay. So, and including the head coach, the head coach and four of the players were in the Olympics and, and we're back. And so long story short, I get pulled up. I get to play in the first division um, for a couple of friendly games for three friendly games. I get to play. And um, I don't know how much of the story I should tell. Uh, I'll, I'll, yeah. I think what's valuable for your, for your listeners is that I, I averaged over 18 points a game, both seasons that I was there in Germany. But when I got to play at the first division, we got to play some friendlies. Um, two of the games I played, I performed really, really well. And I, I could play at that level. We had a friendly match, a uh, friendly game against, um, golly, what was it? I can't remember. The Opal Skyliners. I don't remember what city they're from. But they had won the German championship the year before, or Bamberg had. I don't remember whether it was us or them. But the top two teams in the league. And so it was this, it was this rematch, this friendly rematch, and it was you know, kind of hyped up. And sorry, the story's getting long. But to abbreviate the story, what I remember there was this guy guarding me and he was six foot six. I'm six foot three. He's six foot six. And he probably weighed 210. I'm, I'm at 185. I played at 185. So really small for, for professional basketball, really thin. So he was probably, he was probably two, somewhere around 210 and he was about six foot six and he was faster than I was. And he knew what I could do. And I remember that I couldn't get open this time, but it wasn't because I didn't know the tricks. It was because he simply was so much of a better athlete and he was better trained that he knew how to, he knew how to prevent me from doing what I needed to do. So that was just my, my way of saying, I found my upper limit in that game. If somebody's got six foot six and that level of athleticism, um, you can shut Ike Stafford down because I just have, I just have an upper, upper limit. I have a limit of um, athleticism. And I think for your listeners, that can be helpful to recognize that like the Lord has given us all varying degrees of athleticism. And there just might come a point where the Lord says, it's time to step away from basketball. I've blessed you with this level of success. I've blessed you to be able to compete at this level, but you just don't have, you're just not six foot six and really strong and really super, super fast. Like you just aren't, you're just not an NBA body. And so your career is going to end as a junior in high school. And, or in, in my case, your, your, your career, your upper limit is the second division in Germany, or maybe, maybe a lower level team in the first division in Germany. That's kind of where I would be, but playing at the top level, playing in the German championship, that just probably wasn't a reality for me. And, and that's okay. You know, the Lord has blessed me with tremendous talents and those whose career ends in junior high or in high school or as a sophomore in college, like the Lord has other things planned and it's not a terrible thing when our when our careers end unless sorry i'm getting going a little bit off you know off in the weeds here but if our identity is totally wrapped up in sports if my identity is a basketball player and that's the only thing that matters then when my career ends like life is rough but if i can recognize that basketball is not my identity basketball is not who i am basketball is a tool to get me closer to god or or at a minimum it's a tool to teach me lessons to be successful in life. And so when my career ends, that's okay, because now I'm going to go off and be successful in this realm. Now I'm going to be able to contribute to my family or, or my society or my community in this realm. I'm not, my identity isn't an athlete. My identity is, I've got something much more, much more important in me. And that is 
a contributing member of society. And for those who have faith base, I'm, I'm a son of God and he has a plan and a work for me to do. It's so awesome, dude. And so as we're wrapping it up, Ike, I, I, you know, I've learned a couple of things about, I was going to ask, you know, if you can give advice on like, what's the biggest life lesson basketball's taught you. There's a couple of things that I've taken away from this, this interview, the long view, you know, your yeah. father kind of had that, right. Having the long view of, of things and uh, how that's benefited you in your career, but just how anybody else can, you know, take a long view and see things like what, see it in the long view. The second thing, probably the most important, to be honest, was taking a prayerful approach. You've used that your whole life. We've talked about it already in the shows, taking a prayerful approach to everything that you're doing, you know, build your relationship with God. So if you guys are faith based, if you're not, I mean, whatever that means to you, but taking a prayerful approach has obviously helped you along in your way. But is there anything else you would say that, you know, basketball has taught you in your life, like a life lesson that you've been able to take the parallels between basketball and life? Share one of them if you can. As we wrap it up, I think I would just I would just share with your listeners um, what basketball has taught me. I think I'll, I'll share a lesson from my brother that he said a few times. My older brother who mentored me, he says, "You play basketball like you live." And so, and and what he means by that when he said that, and what I've took it to mean anyways, is that if I cut corners. When the coach says, you know, run a suicide or run 16s or whatever, and touch 16 lines, if I, if I stop six inches short because I know the coach isn't looking, like I'm going to cut six inches short in everything that I do in life. Like you play basketball like you live. And so if you want to be an individual who wants to be trustworthy, an individual who people can count on, if you want to be a, an individual who is diligent, then play your sport like that. Don't cut corners. If you mess up, fess up to it. Live, play basketball, play your sport like you want to live. And, and then the second thing I, I would add, I know you asked for one, but the second thing I think is most important is like your identity, your, you know, God has, has you in mind in the long run and he's got a long view of you. And so your identity is not an athlete. Your identity is son or daughter of God, and he's got, he's got stuff for you to do. And so when we fail in athletics, we recognize God's got a plan for my failure, and he's got something better in store for me, and he always does. We trust in him. He always has something better in store for us. If we can keep in mind that our identity is his, our identity is being his, our identity is not as an athlete then we can be successful in all aspects of life. Then God can, can translate our efforts in sports to whatever it is that he needs us to accomplish. It's so awesome hearing from you. I, uh, I had one question pop in my head, Ike, and as I know I, we got to get wrapped up here soon for you, but I, I, I just have to ask this because there's a lot of athletes. I'm around a lot of the youth athletes. Um, I coach basketball, 16, 17 year olds in the club level, I'm around a lot of the high school football players around the Valley here in Idaho. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting. I, here's how I'll phrase it. I'm trying to see how I can phrase it. You have been, faith has been a big part of your journey throughout the entire thing. And I want to know how being a Christian and, and loving Christ and knowing Christ yourself, right? Like just knowing Christ, how that has benefited you, and maybe it is just that you've answered it by saying that your identity, you know that your identity is in God. It's not in the athletics that you're playing. But like some people, uh, I, 
they, they think it's so hard to be a Christian and be a top level athlete. Right. Uh, but you've played at the professional level. You played at the collegiate level at two different levels at the college level. You know, some people think it's so hard to be a Christian and be an athlete, like mm -hmm. love God and stuff. But I want to know for you, like, how did it benefit you? Did you feel like it was more like you, cause for me, I don't know if I could do it without it. Like, I don't even know how I could, it's almost like a guide, like a compass, you know, yep. without it. So I don't know. I just wanted to get your take on it. It's hard for me to phrase that question. Yep. I would, I think what I would say is, you know, playing basketball at a high level and being a Christian and trying to be a disciple of Christ. I'll just say it that way, trying to be a disciple of Christ. I would just say for anybody who's, who's grappling with that, I would just say, do it and trust him. Like that's the toughest thing. And I, and I haven't always done that perfectly. I'll admit I've, I've always tried to speak out, but my experience has been this. Every time I speak out about my faith, about my trust in God, every time I speak out about it, there's always somebody who has something negative to say. But I've also learned there's always somebody who has something positive to say, and we become fast friends. I mean, there's some guys, there's some guys in this valley who I just, they are my brothers in Christ. Not from, not from my religion, but not from my particular Christian faith. But I mean, they, you know, I just mentioned something that said, isn't the Lord good to us? And then they, they turn around and say, yes, he is good. And it's somebody who I wouldn't know has faith base, right? But then we just, we connect because of our, our connection to Christ and, um, and that identity and being able to trust in him. Even when things go bad, you lose a basketball game or, or you get injured, heaven forbid, then you got to trust, right? And I would also say for, for anybody who doesn't have that faith base in Jesus Christ or, or any religion, anybody who doesn't have that faith base or if it's a different faith base, like there are ways to connect with others and others in meaningful ways that don't need to be, hey, I believe in God or whatever it is. There are ways to connect in meaningful ways that can help you to succeed at the level you need to su succeed at as you speak up and you, you show your goodness, your meditation, your thought process, your plan for life, whatever it may be. There will be naysayers and there'll be people who speak against you, but there will also be people who gravitate to you and support you in that. Absolutely love it, Ike. I appreciate your time, brother. I'm gonna let you go here as we're, we're and at, at the time of this recording, I might actually see Ike tonight. We'll see if I can touch base <laughs> to them this evening. But man, absolute honor. I greatly appreciate you taking time out of your busy you. schedule as you get ready for everything coming up for the year. And just thank you so much for joining us and Make sharing sure. your story, man. And uh, we'll Isn't be talking Lord, to you at some point. <laughs> Isn't the Lord good to us? Absolutely, man. Absolutely. For all those listening, hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Again please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Let us know what you thought of Ike's you know, journey. And we'll be coming to you next week with another interview. Take care. Guys, thanks so much for listening to another episode of my show. Now, if you could go and do me a favor, head over to iTunes, give me five stars and leave me a review. It would be greatly appreciated. Thanks, guys. Appreciate your support.